and there's intimacy on the radio and there's naturalness on the radio that can never be replicated on TV. The marvelous resurgence of radio as a political force in this country. News-related radio programming is evolving. There's a huge hole in our dialogue that can be filled by the synthesis of traditional radio and the freedom that comes from a live podcast. You're about to experience Cowboy State Politics Live. Here we go. my friends and welcome to yet another incredible installment of cowboy state politics live from very high above all the puerile and insipid forms of wyoming mainstream media this is cowboy state politics i of course am your illustrious host david iverson firmly ensconced behind the silver cowboy state politics microphone and broadcasting to you from the base of the Bighorns in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming. Good morning, my friends, and welcome to the program. I have a special guest today, Mr. Joey Carrenti from Carbon County, Wyoming. Welcome to the program, Joe. Well, thank you for having me on your show once again, David. And I truly appreciate having a little bit of time and attention from your well-established audience. <laughs> well, you're welcome here anytime. We begin the program where every single news outlet in America should be, be should be starting their broadcast with Joe and Hunter Biden. Now, of course, everybody is familiar with with how Joe has repeatedly denied um, having any involvement with his son's business dealings. He doesn't know what his son does for a living, even though his son is like, how old is he, Joe? Like 50-some? Yeah, he's definitely not a child, even though he acts like one. Well, anyway, I don't know of a single parent in America that doesn't know what their kid does for a living, unless, of course, they've been able to conceal it for a very long time because they're a drug dealer. Oh, wait, wait, I forget. Hunter Biden doesn't deal drugs. He just does them. Well, anyway, Joe, go ahead. Yeah, um, he, he does so much uh, illicit drugs in uh, so many various locations that he happens to accidentally leave them in a place where nobody can track them back to him, but they're just falling out of his pockets constantly. <laughs> As if anybody ever believed that that there was that there was somebody else that left coke in the white house i mean they had to know that everything would lead right to hunter biden at least a reasonable suspicion with no other good scapegoat for that situation you know as far as i know i can't walk into the local convenience store and grab a coffee without being videotaped, everybody knowing I was there and me leaving evidence of my presence, but they can't find out who left something in one of the most secure locations in the world. It's ridiculous. And I think we all know why. Well, yeah. Well, 
I mean, getting back to the main, <laughs> the main point here, uh, let me just refresh everybody's memory about, you know, how uninvolved Joe Biden was in Hunter's business dealings. Everybody's aware of this, but just take a listen to it. Hunter initially said, no, 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 those meetings not possible. But then we saw the visitor logs and they revealed that three associates did meet at the White House, even though now President Joe Biden swore he never knew about his son's business dealings. Watch. I have never discussed with my son or my brother or anyone else anything no, to do with their never, never, period. That never Mr. Vice President, how many times have you ever spoken to your son about his overseas business dealings? I've never spoken to my son about his overseas business dealings. Do you stand by your statement that you did not discuss any of your son's overseas business yes, dealings? Yes, I stand by that statement. None of that is true. He made a fortune in Ukraine, in China, in Moscow, and various other places. My son has not made money in terms of this thing about, uh, what are you talking about, China. I have not had, the only guy made money from China is this guy. He's the only one. Nobody else has made money from China. Well, we know that's not true. That was President Biden claiming in both 2020 presidential debates that his son, Hunter Biden, has not made any money from China, the Washington. Okay, so, Joe, would you say that when Joe Biden made all of those statements that he was at least halfway in possession of his faculties? In fact, that's exactly what I I would say and I do say is that. We know for a fact and we have evidence that Joe Biden is corrupt and a liar, dishonest, all of that stuff. But the other half, uh, you know, of the other side of what you're saying is it's it's almost sad what this man's been allowed to do, what he's done to himself and what he's allowing the Democrat Party to use him for. I have I have more pity than I have vitriol for Joe Biden because I believe he's far enough gone that it's problematic, it's a concern for the country, and it does allow things to happen. But I think he's still enough there where he knows he's just getting away with being a nutball. Do you think he really knows what's going on, or do you think it's just everybody around him? I think it's a mixed bag. You know, any given time, you know, a flare up or a drop down, he may not be fully aware. And we have, you know, there's plenty of video evidence of this. The guy can't physically move around. He can't properly utilize the English language, even when it's printed out in front of him. So some of that's being there, some of that's not being there, but I, I truly believe there's enough of him there that, uh, he's aware and he plays into, you know, it's, it's like a kid with, with a tantrum or, or, or a, even a legitimate issue. They're going to take advantage of the situation they're in. So I think he's there enough to know, and he's gone enough to continue doing this stuff. And really the allowance of it in my mind, is is just elder abuse. We, we should not allow this individual to be doing this to us and the nation, and we definitely shouldn't be allowing the Democrat Party to utilize him to get this done in the way they're doing it. So for me, it's a mixed bag. It is about 50-50. I think he knows, and I think he's crazy enough to just keep continuing and not care that he's not all there. Well, I don't know, Joe. Maybe we ought to listen to this and see if you're right. There's a lot of reason to be hopeful in 2020. But for God's sake, please take advantage of what's available. He said those words on January 4th, 2022. And here he is reading the directions off the teleprompter. 
It is noteworthy that the percentage of women who register to vote and cast a ballot is consistently higher than the percentage of the men who do so. End of quote. Repeat the line. Women are not without <laughs> electoral and or political or, or maybe precise, not and or or political power. The first frost, you know what was happening. It had to put on their windshield wipers to get literally the oil slick off the window. That's why I and so damn many other people I grew up have cancer. This is the United States Camara, for God's sake. And the person he's talking about in this one is dead. I want to thank all of you here, for including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was, she was going to be here. Uh, Mr. President, thank you. You know, the needs of this are very to live to live and not having the money to pay for it. Not a joke. Think about it. Think about what you'd think about. You're going to have make that all cement. You're going to use that as basis to build on because you need security. You need stability for what you have. on t- And you're going to build up stories beyond. I mean, this is incredible. You know, our natural wonders uh, are. You know, inspire and the reflection inspires our to take action. You know, um, it's almost sad, isn't it, Joe? I mean, I was he got dementia pretty bad in his in his uh, later years, and he would have flashes to where you know you kind of thought he was with it, and then he'd just suddenly go off the rails, and he was accessing a memory from like fifty years ago. I mean, I disagree with you. I I really think that Joe is completely out of it and they just kind of prop him up. I mean, kind of like a weekend at Bernie's thing, except it's a weekend at Joe's. Well, I mean, we can agree to disagree, but in my book, 50% is still a low F and, and I hear what you're saying and I agree, you know, there, there's going to be times when people who are suffering this kind of condition at this age do have flash and maybe seem and aren't actually there. But, uh, I, I got to think that with all of the, the healthcare and overwatch that this guy gets, there's a reason for it and that he is somewhat aware of what he's doing and what he's saying. And it's more a lack of not caring than it is really uh, that he's completely gone. I think if he was completely gone, they couldn't parade him out at all. And we'd only be seeing AI generated fireside chats and we would never actually see the president. But there's so much public appearance just fraught with embarrassing comments and physical actions and faux pas that i i gotta believe a part of them's there otherwise they would yank him completely fair enough fox news is reporting this morning in an article entitled devin archer says hunter used joe biden as quote defensive leverage for foreign business partners the transcript shows fox uh Devin Archer told congressional investigators that Hunter Biden used then Vice President Joe Biden as defensive leverage to send the right signals to his foreign business partners while selling him as, quote, the brand that offered capabilities and reach, as well as a unique understanding of D.C. Archer's comments came during a transcribed interview before the House Oversight Committee on Monday. Fox News Digital obtained more than 140 pages of the transcript of Archer's interview, which took place behind closed doors. 
And I quote, Washington, D.C., July 31st, Devin Archer, Hunter Biden's former business partner, arrives at the O'Neill House office building before testifying to the House Oversight Committee. Archer told investigators that Hunter Biden used his very powerful name to add value in pitching and securing foreign business ventures. Okay, now, I mean, there's lots to this article and it goes on and on. And basically, Devin Archer just says that, yeah. Joe Biden was on the phone at least 20 times during business meetings between him and Hunter Biden and other business associates. Now, Joe, one of the reasons why I wanted you on the program this morning is you're, you're a veteran. Um, you have a unique, unique knowledge and experience in politics and government. I mean, you were the chairman of, of a county party, which I know is a far cry from you know, federal office, but you have a unique understanding of the implications of, you know, having foreign, um, foreign influence in political bodies. Can you just talk to me about that just for a second? Well, uh, with this specific situation, what I'll say is I don't think there's a problem with an individual who's part of a family or, you know, think tanks and lobbyists do it all the time. They associate themselves and put on their boards, very important people, so they can utilize the strength of a name. The problem here is that the name that they used was a government official at the time, the president, now the president of the United States, and he actually got directly involved, negotiated, and threatened people with the power of his office, not the power of his family. And this was not based on merit. Our family does this. You know us to do this. Might be considered co corrupt business dealings, but like you've said before, businesses are allowed to collude. Once the government gets involved and you're using your official station, the uh, the power, the authority, and the responsibility that goes with that to enrich yourself and your family without the merit of actually having the ability to do the work or the legitimate constitutional authority to either make those threats or promises, then we have a problem. And now we're not just dealing with corruption, we're dealing with criminal corruption that becomes something beyond our criminal system because you are now acting against the interest of the United States for personal enrichment, which in my mind makes you an enemy combatant of the United States. Fair enough. And, you know, it's uh, for me, honestly, Joey, um, this makes me really, really sad for our country. I used to believe that no person who ascended to the presidency would ever um, sell out his country, would ever do anything that would, you know, um, cast his country in a bad light, that you wouldn't, that you couldn't be behind the resolute desk and do that. But I, I've lost that, Joe. Yeah. And really, you know, we have, we have articles in, you know, the Geneva Convention and in our own uh, federal code, uh, aiding and comforting the enemy. And at the time, and still now, this was the enemy. China is no good for America. And uh, it really goes into how much is enough for an individual with their personal enrichment, their legacy that they plan to uh, leave behind, the perceived power in their name so that they can go out and you know be corrupt in other areas. But really, it's like what I said uh, earlier in my statement and what you just said. Once they do it from a certain position, they are utilizing all of the greatness of America, the power inherent in you and I as American citizens to do this 
and it is it's 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 disgusting uh, every american whether you like joe biden or not regardless of which aisle you stand on should be infuriated and ashamed and saddened because they're utilizing us our power our authority our strength the results and the products that we produce to enrich themselves by engaging with our enemies. And then there's this, a guy named Kent Becker, who he's, he's a journalist, and I think he's in Washington, D.C., but he broke this morning a letter, or actually a note, from the office of the vice president dated January 20th, 2011, addressed to Devin Archer of Rosemont Seneca Partners, and it says, and I quote, I, dear, dear Devin, I apologize for not getting a chance to talk to you at the luncheon yesterday. I was having trouble getting away from hosting President Who. I hope I get the chance to see you again soon with Hunter. I hope you enjoyed the lunch. Thanks for coming. Sincerely, Joseph R. Biden. P.S. I'm happy you guys are together. Period. You think this is a smoking gun, Joe? Well, it really depends. We've had plenty of smoking guns in the past, and the problem we're having is not getting evidence together that there's a legitimate concern that needs to be investigated. Our problem is when those investigations happen, they're done under the guises of we're still dealing with the president of the United States, and we're not actually going to investigate. We're not going to dig down to the bottom and find you know, the high crimes and or misdemeanors that have been committed. Now, they'll do it to Donald Trump. You know, the things that he was accused of are not the things he's been charged with. I think he's facing his third federal indictment now. And, and this this one, technically, if you read all of the code in the charges, this one could result in uh, him being sentenced to death. I mean, now they're trying to kill President Trump, but they won't even legitimately look into the Biden crime family and come with any charges. So I think our real problem is not having smoking guns. It's not having evidence. It's having a justice system that'll say, we are going to take up the case, at very least send it to a grand jury, and we are going to do it with, you know, the blindness of liberty and justice and saying, we are going to enforce our laws regardless of who you are. And I, I think that's where the real problem lies. We are not seeing the wheels turn in the proper direction with our system that they would use against you and I in a heartbeat. We would be in jail before we were even, you know, arraigned and they would not let us out. These guys get to go and continue to run their corruption and they say, oh, it wasn't that big of a deal. It wasn't that bad. At very least, we're looking at obstruction. We're looking at a conspiracy. And then depending on how they have shelled and sheltered the money they've made, we're definitely looking at tax evasion. Why anybody else in the country would definitely be strung up immediately for that just based on an accusation and some evidence and this group isn't uh, it that's beyond me and i think it's more of a problem with our justice system than it is with having enough evidence to say we know we're right and we know you're a criminal now there's another story i've been working on that kind of shows some wyoming parallels to this whole two-tiered justice system i mean joe there's a lot of complaints at the wyoming attorney general's office that have been sitting there well there's one of them i know of um involving representative cyrus western and johnson county commission chairman bill novotny that have been sitting there for six months i mean crimes that if you like you said if you and i did them man we'd, we'd already be be in court at least in court and probably sentenced already 
Uh, yeah, and you're, you're right. Um, there's there's things sitting up at the attorney general's office. There's cases that have been uh, dismissed or prosecuted uh, in other arenas politically just because of who the individuals are, myself included. Uh, we've talked about this recently. And um, it's, again, disheartening. And in Wyoming, it's a little different. Uh, we have the opportunity, if we made a big push, to have a publicly elected Attorney General, which is, I think, something we need to work towards because right now the Attorney General is not accountable to the people. And you get things like this where a legitimate criminal complaint has been filed. Um, it was actually referred to the Attorney General by another state agency who felt that the complaint was legitimate and had standing. Uh, unfortunately, no one else has prosecutorial power in the state. They only have referral power. So all they can do is support it. And I think one of the ways around this until such time as the attorney general no longer works as the governor's personal attorney and is accountable to the people is, you know, we need to start getting groups together and having a fund and saying, it's okay that you're corrupt and don't want to do your job and don't actually care about justice because we, the people, are allowed to file criminal complaints on our own and we don't need to wait for you. Now, we still have to engage in a problematic justice system when we do that, but it's on record. It's not waiting for somebody else to do the job that they're supposed to do. We can file those criminal complaints ourselves, and I think we need to start doing that because the it's the squeaky wheel thing. You can complain all you want, but if you can't inspire somebody to do their job properly... You have to be the squeaky wheel in another arena. And remember, the attorney general is part of the executive branch. We need to be engaging with the judicial branch directly if we want to start seeing results. I couldn't agree more. Uh, let's take a quick break, and then we're going to go to Fremont County with a story that I've already brought to you, but apparently the Wyoming media has finally decided it's important. And we'll do that after the break. We'll get back to the program in just a second, but first, some completely egregious self-aggrandizement. You can listen to the podcast on any of your favorite podcasting apps, iTunes, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, really any of them will work. But the easiest way is just to go to the website, CowboyStatePolitics.com. There, you can find all of the shows, as well as any of the articles that I might bring up during the course of a program. If your name is Sleepy Joe Biden and you're dumber than a box of rocks, well, you can go to CowboyStatePolitics.com, pull up an article, and educate yourself, just like you should have been doing before you decided to run for office. New episodes of the program are published every Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday morning. And don't forget about the Thursday live episode that begins every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. You know, the show you're listening to right now. You can find the link at CowboyStatePolitics.com or on the Cowboy State Politics Facebook page. Have you been looking for a new place to advertise your business? Well, I'd suggest advertising on this program, Cowboy State Politics. It's Wyoming's most listened-to podcast. Now, the difference between advertising on the radio and on a podcast is most people just have the radio playing in the background, and they're not actively listening to your message. People who download a podcast are there to listen to the whole thing, so you can be sure that your message will be heard. I have a statewide platform, and no one is going to beat my advertising rates. 
shoot me a message. The address is david at cowboystatepolitics.com. I would love to get that conversation started with you. And now, back to the program. Welcome back. David Iverson behind the Silver Cowboy State Politics microphone. I'm joined today by my guest, Joey Carrenti, down in Carbon County. So, Joe, have you have you noticed or heard of what's been going on with the Fremont County Library Board? Um, a little bit here and there. And, and again, for me, what I've heard is problematic. And it really comes down to... You know, I focus on policies, procedures, statutes, how things are supposed to happen. And in the Fremont County Library issue, it really is just a case of uh, personal feelings and political intent overriding a statutory responsibility. You know, they have a vacancy. Nobody applied to fill the vacancy that they wanted. The names that they did get were people that they felt were too conservative and controversial. And I say they, not knowing specifically who it is, but I believe it's the uh, library board itself. So they asked the uh, library director who had just retired and said they didn't want the job to please come back and do the job till they could find someone to fill it. And then they missed the deadline for choosing one of the names of the applicants they had. And this is a clear violation of procedure and statute because they are using their own position, again, as representatives of the people and administrators of our government on our behalf, to get what they want instead of doing the job that law says they have to do. So right now, as far as I know, they don't have a replacement appointed. They're past well, the Well, actually, well, yeah, I'm going to interrupt you there real quick, Joe, because actually they did they did appoint Perry Cook to be the uh, to fill that replacement. Um, but the reason I brought this up is I first told you about this whole story back on July 19th. Here's what I had to say then. The chairman of the Fremont County Library Board, Perry Cook's term, had expired. And so Fremont County dutifully put out an advertisement for her replacement. To their great surprise, there was only three people that responded to their advertisement. Three conservatives. This created kind of a problem for the secretary of the county commissioners, Becky Enos, because evidently she doesn't like conservatives very much and likes the library the way that it is. Pornographic material in the children's section and all. Normally, this wouldn't be an issue. They'd just get Perry Cook to apply again and then appoint her to her former position. Unfortunately for them, though, Perry Cook said she was done being on the board. Equally alarmed was Anita Marple, the director of the Fremont County Library. Through an intermediary, Cowboy State Politics was able to obtain all of the emails concerning this affair through a Freedom of Information Act request from Anita Marple's email to Perry Cook, and I quote, Hi Perry, I just talked to Becky Enos, Commission Admin Coordinator, and she asked if you were seeking another term on the board. I told her you would plan to step down. She needs a letter of your decision. However, I would like you to reconsider and stay on another six months or a year. There are three applications for your seat on the board, two of which are ultra-conservative activist people. Tina Clifford is one of them. I don't recognize the third name. Okay, okay, okay. Well, you get the idea. So, essentially, you're right in that 
you know, they had a vacancy. Three people who happened to be conservative uh, decided that they were going to apply. The deadline passed and they didn't like any any of them. And so they appointed Perry Cook. Now, the reason I bring this up yet again is the mainstream Wyoming insipid press has finally caught up with it. In an article published yesterday in the Cow Pie, and I quote, Fremont County Library Director urged against ultra-conservative board members. Even in Wyoming, public libraries are becoming ideological backgrounds. The Fremont County Library System Director recently urged her library board chairwoman to reapply for the position uh, so that ultra-conservative activist people wouldn't get appointed. According to an email chain provided to the Cow Pie, well, of course, it says Cowboy State Daily. Now, Joe, the reason I bring this up is that obviously the cow pie is about two weeks behind the curve on this whole thing. And the only reason that they're reporting on it is that it's become quite the issue in Fremont County. Don't you see this as an absolute need for independent, different and truthful media? Oh, absolutely. And the main problem with what we have right now is obviously we're not actually getting news and we're not getting real news in a timely manner. Um, it's almost like these stories are parsed out or missed until they're realized for their clickbait value. You know, the cow pie loves to say, oh, we have over 1.5 million subscribers monthly or readers or whatever, and then we're doing this and we're great. We're great. Well, it's because of the way they present their stories. Uh, it's a lot of a lot of fiction. If you went to the Fremont County Library, you'd find Cowboy State Daily over in the uh, fiction or comic book section, and 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 they, <laughs> they run it as they run it as a, uh, a a clickbait factory for for their advertising. Um, never once have they reported something incorrectly and come back and either corrected it, redacted it. Or issued an apology and anytime they have issued a correction i believe it ends up on their website but it'll never end up on their facebook page and it's always buried in another story um and so i really do believe that we need people that do not want to identify as journalists because god knows how corrupted that term has become aren't necessarily interested in being popular or making money and only want to present I won't, I won't even say the facts because even that term's in debate. Present the documentation for understanding and open debate on an issue as opposed to what can make us the most money and get us the most, uh, you know, Wyoming. that uh, Get us the most awards at the end of the year from our little insider group of industry people. So it's, it's, it's real sad. It is happening. And... Um, I think it should inspire people to dig deeper and know that, I mean, with the way the news is coming out, the quote unquote news, most people should know these stories by the time the Wyoming mainstream liberal media puts them out. We should already know about them because they've been happening for weeks before they decide, oh, this has got some clickbait value. Yeah. And, you know, the thing that that's always amazing is that. And to a lesser degree, the cow pie on this one, but definitely with with the Pravda on the plat. I mean, they don't even pretend to be, you know, even in the middle. And I think that you bring up an interesting point is that both of these outlets are constantly saying, well, we have we have the biggest journalist um, staff in the state. 
but I don't think that they really do. In fact, that they uh, they employ somebody over in Gillette, I believe, and they give her the title of investigative journalist. To my knowledge, Joe, uh, there's only one, maybe two investigative journalists, and I mean journalists, the truest sense of the word, but there's only one or two people that are actually doing investigative journalism in the state, and they don't work for the for the liberal uh, mainstream press in Wyoming. Uh, no, they don't. And I, I would liken it to, you know, the battle that seems to be raging on with the Republican Party in Wyoming. There's a lot of people that like to wear the title, but there's not a lot of people that want to do the work or live the life. Um, so we're seeing a lot of similarities. And I think this goes all the way back to identi identity politics. People want to be seen as a certain thing. They want to be embraced as a certain thing. They definitely want to get paid as a certain thing, but they're unwilling to really commit themselves to the ideals and, and the processes that are required of being legitimate in that position. And so I don't just think it's the media, but since we're talking about the media, yeah, you know what? You got a lot of opinion writers that won't say they're opinion writers. Uh, you got a lot of uh, plagiarists or what they call wire share outlets um I'll, I'll give you an example and it's from the cow pie i had my first complaint with the secretary of state out for almost a month a local radio station here in uh, carbon county picked up the story ran it had a morning conversation about it they put it on their website and within 45 minutes i got a call from a reporter at the cow pie that said oh hey uh, I heard about this story. I'm like, yeah, well, you didn't, you don't do any investigation. You don't have a standing call with the secretary of state's office saying, Hey, if you get any complaints in, let me know about them. And so really they're just waiting to be fed something they can regurgitate. Like I said, for clickbait to justify those faults. Well, and I think it's symptomatic of a larger issue. You know, the media seems to think that they're in control of everything that happens in the state. And and to some degree, I mean, you and I have to admit that they have a gigantic influence on what happens and just about how how the cow pie uh, publishes articles. You know, if you're if you're a red coat and you write an opinion piece, well, it hits the front page in no time. But if you happen to be a conservative and you write an op ed, it gets buried in the letters to the editor. I mean, and of course, I'm referring to Representative Clark Steth, excuse me, drag show Clark, um, you know, in his in his op ed. And, you know, the one that I wrote and sent them ended up in the letters to the editor buried on, you know, away from the front page so that nobody can read it. I mean, if you're going to call yourself a journalist, at least be fair and be truthful in what you're doing. And that's that's one of the reasons I wanted to ask you about this, Joe. We are in dire need of and everybody's in dire need of a new media outlet that's you know that's going to be truthful that's going to tell you how it is um and of course you know to have have some opinion along with it you know maybe maybe we can help some help out the state in that arena what do you think well i, I definitely think uh it's a need and uh, i think if it's approached correctly see if if and when i'm involved in this idea that you're bringing up um I would, I would lead with the fact that I'm a commentator, I'm an opinionist, but I'm going to provide you the source documentation the same way whenever I ran for office. I provided the source documentation from impeachable source. Well, I wouldn't say impeach, unimpeachable, but um, 
you know, they come from the Wyoming legislative website. You can't let a voting record, even though I don't trust the LSO or the legislature that much. That data is pretty secure. But I always provided them things to back up. And then I also provided, you know, the voters articles with opposing views to mine so that they had the opportunity. I don't like educating people. I like providing access and informing people. So if if that need is met, uh, I, I think it just needs to be honest up front saying, we're going to give you everything you need to make your own decision. Kind of the way Fox tried to pretend it started when it did Fox News, fair and balanced, we report, you decide, all that stuff. I think it really needs to be like that because you and I have no problem catching a sniff of something and then going and doing the research and coming up with, hey, this is what happened. This is where we think it's problematic and this is our feelings about it. You know, the average person out there, especially in today's America and Wyoming, they've got kids, they've got school board issues, they've got work, they've got all these, they don't have the time to do what we do. So when it is done, it needs to be done correctly and given over to the people as a responsibility. Educate yourself, become informed. We're providing you a, a resource, not an opinion that you have to follow. So I, I think it's a need. I think it can be done. I'm sure a few of us can get together and work on that and many other projects. Uh, but but the truth is we need to take away from the media that power and that influence and say, hey, you're just here to provide information and access to data. You're not here to tell me what to think. Well, and if you look at Cowboy State politics, make it very, very clear what you're getting. You know, if there's a, if there's a story I'm covering and I'm quoting an article, and and it's kind of a little bit more difficult to find than uh, than just putting in a web address, I post it on CowboyStatePolitics.com. I actually set up the website before I set up the podcast. Hear me all the time say, don't believe me on any of this stuff. Don't quote me. Go do your own homework. You know, know it for yourself. That's why, you know, the articles are there on the website and you can read them for yourself. So we're going to take another quick break and then we're going to go into kind of what the results of um, what the media has done to us. What happens um, to to stories, to the news um, in our culture when um, when the media thinks that they're that they are you know the fourth branch of government and we used to say that the press was the fourth the fourth branch because they held people accountable but that's not the case anymore um uh, there's folks in the media that think that they are absolutely part of the government and it happens in wyoming but um after the break i'm going to give you a story one that you've probably already heard of um but i want to talk about why it's not as big as it ought to be so we'll do that after the break This segment of the program is brought to you by Morton Buildings. While I'm not so naive to believe that there isn't a torrential pour in our future, it's finally summer in Wyoming. And while you might be a little bit late, it's certainly time for you to consider starting to build that project you've been dreaming about all winter long. It doesn't really matter how big of a building you've been thinking about, whether it's a garage or an outbuilding or a barn or maybe a huge roping arena so that you can practice your rodeo stuff all winter long or even a gigantic warehouse for your business. The two guys you need to talk to are Nick and Jesse at Morton Buildings. 
Their phone number is 307-674-2532. They are the experts in metal building construction, and nobody is going to do a better job than they will. So give them a call. Again, their phone number is 307-674-2532, or you can check them out on their website at mortonbuildings.com. Yesterday, I had to go down to Casper and pick up a few things and then back home to northeastern Wyoming. It was hot, and still, it hadn't cooled down all that much when I got to the base of the Bighorns. The one part of my body that did not feel like a screaming inferno was my feet. That's because I was wearing my Buffalo Wool Company socks. Now, I know a lot of people say that you only wear wool in the winter, but it's not true, my friends. Wool will keep you warm in the winter and cool and dry in the summer. Now, if you want the best pair of socks that you've ever put on your feet, go to their website, the Buffalo Wool CO, and get you a pair of the most incredible socks that you're ever going to wear. That's the Buffalo Wool Company. And now, back to the annals of everything that politicians are doing wrong. Joe, did you know that they're here? They're here. Yes. Well, they are. So I've heard. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, so I've heard. It's just, it amazes me that we have so many issues in this country and they want to parade out. Here, we have evidence and possession of the aliens. I say, great. You also have evidence and possession of Epstein's list. I want to see that. I think my point here, Joe, is why is this not a bigger story? I mean, holy cow, you have somebody from the federal government saying, yeah, we uh, we have aliens. We found them. We have spacecraft. Uh, here's now the fir this first came out with uh, a guy named Grush, and he gave an interview to The Telegraph. Now, I I'm going to play it for you, but what I want you to pay attention to is how matter-of-fact he is when he answers the question. I mean, it's it's absolutely incredible. Take a listen to this. These are retrieving non-human origin uh, technical vehicles, you know, call it spacecraft if you will, non-human, exotic origin vehicles that have either landed or crashed. We have spacecraft from another species. We do, yeah. How many? Quite a number. You're kidding. No. When you recover something that's either landed or crashed, um, sometimes you encounter um, dead pilots. And uh, believe it or not, as, fan as fantastical as that sounds, it's true. Holy cow. Now again, did you notice how matter-of-fact he was? So we have crashed vehicles. Yeah. How many of them? Quite a number of them. I mean, Joe, this should be front page of every newspaper in, in America, but it's not. Why? Well, I think we have a history in America, at least in the last hundred years, of telling just enough of a shocking distraction story to play sleight of hand with other things that are going on, but they never go all the way into it, even when it's, I mean, this is literally earth shattering, if it's true. But 
all they need is just enough to detract some attention from the Democrats, the Biden White House, and Hunter Biden's issue. And they haven't found the political capital in parading it all out right now. Wait until election season comes up. You're going to hear and see things that are expanding on this like crazy. And and we have, like I said, we have a history of this. Let's go back to the 90s. The Monica Lewinsky scandal. Well, now all of a sudden we have a need and a reason to bomb Afghanistan and the Sudan. We never got the full story on why, how that went down. It was just a little sleight of hand. Let's look over here. You can go way back for Johnson, the Vietnam War. Well, let's focus on this war on poverty. This is more important. And it really didn't come full cycle and you didn't hear about everything happening as they were putting that together. Nixon went and got into the whole war on crime and the trip to China thing while he was being investigated for criminal actions in the White House. It's happened over and over again. Jimmy Carter, we got the Iran uh, hostage crisis. It's looking bad. We got the gas prices crazy, pork shortage. What does he do? Here's the Department of Education to make Americans feel better and distract you just a little. And they never told you the whole story or the whole plan about all these things until there was enough political capital behind it to make it profitable for them or the policy that they instituted actually came to fruition. And now we're seeing that 40 years later with the Department of Education, how that's worked out. It was all planned and they will never trust the American people enough with all the information. They just want the distraction. So they'll feed you the crumbs. Yeah, And I think that there's two possibilities here. Uh, the first is that people are so used to the media lying to them that they see that they would see a headline that says, uh, we have alien spacecraft and they would just completely discount it that, oh, well, this is just the media lying to us again. Or the other possibility is the one that you mentioned that this is just another wag the dog, you know, oops, Devin Archer says that Joe, the president of the United States is involved in making money off other countries. Ah, time to send in the UFOs. I mean, it's literally that crazy. But what concerns me is, you know, and I, I'm a historian, Joe, and I know that you you and I have had lots of discussions about, you know, different, um, different historical uh, events. But, you know, if this is true, we're talking about, we ought to be talking about something as, as incredible as, hey, you know, um, we're not alone in the universe. Another headline that, you know, I, I think it would be equivalent to is, you know, when Galileo, um, you know, I, I mean, it's just, again, it just blows my mind that for so long, um, since the 1950s, the federal government has denied the existence of any of this stuff. And now we have congressional hearings uh, talking about it. I mean, it just, it just blows my mind. Here's a little piece of that same guy, Grush, um, in a congressional hearing. Listen to this. Um, I can only speak for uh, my personal leadership over at NGA. I tried to look at every report that came through that I could mm -hmm. triage. So, Do you believe that officials at the highest levels of our national security apparatus have unlawfully withheld information from Congress and subverted uh, our oversight authority? There are certain elected leaders that had more information that I'm not sure what they've shared with certain Gang of Eight members or et cetera, but uh, certainly... Uh, I would not be surprised. Okay. You've stated that the government is in possession of potentially non-human spacecraft. 
Based on your experience and extensive conversations with experts, do you believe our government has made contact with intelligent extraterrestrials? Something I can't discuss in public setting. Um, okay, and I can't ask when you think this occurred. <laughs> um, if you believe we have crashed craft, uh, stated earlier, do we have the bodies of the pilots who piloted this craft? As I've stated publicly already in my News Nation interview, uh, biologics came with some of these recoveries. Yeah. Um, were they, I guess, human or non-human biologics? Non-human, and that was the assessment of people uh, with direct knowledge on the program I talked to that are currently still on the program. And was this... We have alien bodies, Joe, or so says this guy. I mean, it's just, again... This just blows my mind, and it ought to be front page of the New York Times, the Washington Post, and all of them. But it's not, and I think it's uh, I think it's just a matter of um, you know media saturation with other stories and people just getting tired of it. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing, you know, being this individual can't demand that they parade out these bodies. Uh, you heard him say, I'm not at liberty to something along the lines of I'm not at liberty to discuss that. And that's where he really gets my attention and, and makes me lend some credit to what he's saying. Because I've been, I got to be careful when I say this, I've been in situations working for the government through the military where I've been in places and, 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 and been on missions that I'm not even close to talking about. And this gentleman is giving back to the people through Congress, everything he can, and it's still very dangerous for him. So the personal risk that he faces, not to mention the personal, uh, sorry, the professional or social risk he faces, in my mind, lends some legitimacy. And again, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. It is we, the people that can demand, hey, we want the truth on this. It is no longer a matter of national security if it's over 50 years old and and at least a reasonable suspicion is out there that this is true because what's the true effect government loses some of its control over the people not that it would affect the nation in a negative way that we couldn't handle so the big problem is what the congresswoman asked is do you think that high-ranking officials illegally subverted congress by not sharing this and that's when he said i i can't i can't state anything on that but that would be the problem once again our system is being misused by individuals in positions of power probably for personal enrichment and uh it is only we the people that can demand that this happen and right now they're trying to do it through congress but i think there's a, there's another path that hey let's settle this if you have it that's not your property that's we the people's property bring it out and let's talk about it otherwise it's going to be leveraged for personal enrichment political capital and the illusion of power and authority over just us common folks down here. I believe our governor calls us workaday knuckleheads. Those are the people they really want to control. I think you're absolutely right. We're going to take our last break, and then we're going to talk about a subject that's near and dear to both mine and Joey's heart. And, um, you know, there's there's a lot of things that, that are happening surrounding firearms, and, you know, we just we just have to keep talking about them. So we'll do that after our break.
We'll finish up the program in just a second. But first, one more absolutely obscene profit timeout. Welcome to Cowboy State Politics Lessons in Self-Serving Gentlemanly Conduct. Lesson number one, the salon. We all know that our better halves like their hair to look just right. And let's be honest, it helps us out too. We do like looking at attractive ladies. Now the best place that that wife of yours can go to is to the Bombshell Studio in Sheridan. Christine Sturdivant is the only Redken specialist in Sheridan. So if your better half needs a new do or she just wants a touch-up on the one that she has, call Christine Sturdivant. Her phone number is 307-752-4844. That's the Bombshell Studio. This has been Cowboy State Politics Self-Serving Lessons in Gentlemanly Conduct. Do you like hot wings? Yeah, me too. In fact, I'm obsessed with them. And the best hot wings in the state of Wyoming are from the Winget Food Truck. They travel around the state, going from town to town. All you have to do is go to their Facebook page, The Wing It Food Truck, go to CowboyStatePolitics.com and look underneath the Sponsors tab, and you'll find their schedule there. You know, I personally recommend the Garlic Parmesan Wings. They're absolutely amazing. But they've got several other different flavors, not just hot wings or garlic parmesan. You'll find exactly what you've been missing this entire time. So go to the website, CowboyStatePolitics.com, and look underneath the Sponsors tab. And that way, you can plan your entire week around where the Wing It food truck is going to be. And now, the conclusion to the program. From Breitbart this morning, in an article entitled, New York Times discloses new details about Biden's universal background check mandate. This was submitted by Gun Owners of America. Earlier this year, quote, earlier this year, we reported on President Biden's announcement that he'd be directing the Department of Justice to, quote, move the United States as close as possible to universal background checks without additional legislation, end quote. The move to govern by executive fiat is loud and clear. The ATF and the DOJ will publish this new rule in the second half of 2024 with a proposed release soon. According to a new report by the New York Times, which seems to have access to internal ATF policy. Other details about the rule in the New York Times report include, quote, anyone who makes a profit from selling firearms, perhaps as little as one dollar, is to be prohibited from selling their privately owned firearms without a federal firearms license or a background check. According to the report, anti-gun organizations are pushing the ATF to limit the number of firearm sales a private citizen may engage in without an FFL. Currently, anti-gunners want to limit collectors and sellers to five guns or fewer. An Obama-era regulation would have set the threshold at one to two gun sales per person. Failing to register as an FFL holder will carry a penalty of up to five years in federal prison and a $250,000 fine. Take it away, my friend Joe. Well, if you take the guns out of this issue, which is what they want to focus on always, the gun, I see this on its face as a gross violation by the federal government to attempt to usurp uh, interstate commerce clause, which regulates commerce between states. If you live in a state and you sell something in your state 
and you have no intent of taking that thing out of state. The Tenth Amendment covers that, and the Commerce Clause covers that. It is not the federal government's responsibility or right to regulate, or in this case, overregulate, how that commerce is conducted. I also don't think the state should be getting involved unless they want to do it as a fundamental principle across the board. Anything you sell and make as little as $1 on or sell more than five of, it doesn't matter if it's gun. It doesn't matter if it's D-players. We are going to have to have a crackdown on people that have farmers markets and garage sales because we have to equally apply these principles with the precepts of the constitution in mind equally in every situation. So it's just another gun grabber attempt. And because even with the Democrat present presence in Congress and the white house, right? They know they could never sell this through legislation. Too many people would not be able to get reelected. And it, it really speaks to the way they're presenting it. This universal background check, it speaks to the problem with government itself. We have the FBI and the ATF that both have different standards for background checks. Even though they both fall under the Department of Justice and they both have oversight of Congress, they conduct these in different ways. The answer here is fix the system that you have before you try to improve or expand it and realize you are regulating a natural right of the people given to them by God, not an authority of government where they can repeal that right because we get it from the, uh, the national government. So I think they need to be very careful. I think they're trying to do it the only way they could possibly get it on paper by usurping Congress. And um, hopefully it's going to fail because the real problem is not what they're talking about. The problem, like Ronald Reagan said, is government and how they're conducting business. So that's at the federal level. Uh, Joe, do we have a problem with the government trying to interfere in our gun rights right here in the state of Wyoming? I mean, any level of government? Oh, absolutely. I mean, look at almost any case. There's a few examples that will be presented on a uh, sister podcast here shortly, I'm sure. <clears throat> about uh, Next Wednesday. Next Wednesday, it's gonna. I'm going to broadcast that whole discussion. So don't go too deep into it, but just give me the high notes. But what you have is um, kind of the same thing, a legislature that uh, won't increase or let go of the reins on the current gun control they have, things like gun-free school zones, uh, concealed carry permits, but also won't pass laws like the red flag laws because they know they'll never get reelected. So they kick it out of the legislative branch and then hand it over and allow it to be dealt with in the judicial branch where you have prosecutors and judges who say, well, based on this, and we will call this a legitimate concern, even though it may not have had anything to do with firearms, we're going to take your firearms from you. It's red flag gun seizure. Nobody has been adjudicated guilty. Um, and it's almost the first thing that I hear asked for by a prosecutor in certain cases against certain types of people, while at the same time, you have individuals who are pleading guilty to criminal assault where no request or demand that their firearms rights be taken away from them at all because they're just a different kind of person. So uh, it goes back to uniformity, applying fundamental principles equally across all situations and making sure it's codified in law. Because when it's codified in law, we can hold the individuals that pass that bad law accountable 
unelect them, and then go through the painful process of repealing these bad laws. And this is one thing I really like about some of our members in the legislature. You know, I'm going to speak specifically about Lynn Hutchings. People accuse her of not getting anything done, but she has an amazing track record of not only defeating, but attacking bad legislation and stopping it before it goes on our books. And I think that is almost more important than passing new laws and expanding the authority of government. Well, like I said, next Wednesday, I'm going to publish, uh, it's, it's a great discussion between uh, Nina Weber and Joey Carrenti. And it's one that you probably haven't heard yet, but it goes to specifically what we're talking about right now, that there's, that there's pieces of our government that are trying to take guns uh, without using legislation. They're trying to infringe on the Second Amendment through prosecutorial powers, and they're doing it unfairly based on uh, you know, who you are. It's just like the unbalanced justice system we were talking about at the beginning of the program. So we're going to do that next Wednesday. On Saturday's installment of Weekend Update, I'm going to reveal the really, really dumb email that Representative Clark Stith sent me after he, uh, after he laid down a debate challenge and I, your illustrious host, picked it up. Yes, yes, he initially agreed to a debate and that as usually happens with these red coats, apparently he's backing out of it. So I'm going to reveal that email that he sent me on Saturday's program. Uh, Joe, I'll go ahead and give you the last word, and then we'll wrap it up for today's installment of Cowboy State Politics Live. Well, thanks again for having me, David. Uh, I want to speak directly to the people. Um, not only do I think we need to become more informed and dig a little deeper, it's our responsibility to when we see something, say something. We need to find legitimate arguments that are unemotional, not nostalgic, not sentimental, that really have to do with recognizing and defending liberties and saying, hey, you are not a sovereign entity, the state, the federal nation. You are the administrators of our government on our behalf based on our liberty. I think we definitely need to get a group together to start filing criminal charges from we the people on some of these issues we see just sail by or sit in a box uh, at the attorney general's office or issues that we see shoved in a desk in the legislature. We need to be prepared to do that. It's supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be painful. That's how liberty works. You have to fight and work for it every day. And it's funny that it's called freedom because when you actually have it and you live it and you own it, it costs you everything every day trying to protect it. So other than that, I think we can uh, look forward to uh, that idea you had, working on an independent uh, informational group that can put out shows like yours or ideas like you and I have on a regular basis. I think it's going to be very important to be accountable to the truth, uh, facts, uh, the people, and stay away from money, whether it be donors that want to own a part of it or influence a part of it, or any of these tax dollars that keep floating around out there that the uh, SLIB board or the Wyoming Business Council or any of these other groups want to give to an organization to help them out while they're trying to do something, but actually have influence and part ownership over it. I think it needs to be completely independent. I think we can work together on that, grab a few other people, get something started, and truly be accountable to the truth and facts and trust the people to decide or at least ask when they have a question. So 
I'm looking forward to working on that with you. And hopefully we'll have something, I don't know, in the next 30 days as a framework that we can present to the. Yeah. In the coming days and weeks, we'll be releasing more details about what we're uh, <laughs> alluding to, but I promise you, my friends, it's going to be huge. And we'll tell you more about that uh, when we get closer to it. Uh, Joey, thanks for coming on the program. I appreciate it. Absolutely. From the base of the Bighorns at the Cowboy State Politics Northern Command Studio in Sheridan, Wyoming. I'm David Iverson, and this is the one and only Cowboy State Politics.